Good evening, everyone. Our uh, reading this evening is from the book of First Samuel. It's First Samuel chapter seven, and if you are reading along uh, using the Pew Bible, it's page two hundred and seventy-seven. So First Samuel chapter seven, and we'll read from verse two. First Samuel seven, verse two. It was a long time, 20 years in all, that the ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim, and all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths, and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bows and ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us. From the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade the Israelite territory again. Amen. I don't know why there was laughter there. <laughs> well, I know the question that's in all of your lips, and that is, Ross, what were you doing 12 days ago? So I'm going to put you out of your misery uh, this evening and tell you what I was doing 12 days ago. 12 days ago, I was in a room in a hospital in Glasgow, and I was on a seat, and there was a table or a desk in front of me. The other side of the desk, there was a young woman with a clipboard, and she was asking me questions to put my brain through different types of tests and to see how well or otherwise it performed. And the first few questions I thought were going really quite well. And then Randomly, it seemed to me, 
she read out the full name and address of a person. I don't remember it, so I'm going to make it up for you. Uh, we'll go for James David Robinson, 14 Bridge Lane, Raleigh, Essex, SS67EW. And I thought, oh no, she's going to ask me to recite this person's name and address. But much to my relief, she just moved on as if nothing had happened. She said, now I want you to picture the number 100 in your head and count down in sevenths. Which I thought, well, that's better than trying to remember someone's name or address. So 100, uh, 93, <laughs> 86, 79, 72. I'm getting there. 65. And I'm going down. I get into the kind of lower 20s. And she says to me, what was that man's name and address again? Can you anyone remember? Oh, look at that. Well done. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. That was better than me. James David Robinson, 14 Bridge Lane, Raleigh, Essex, SS67EW. I struggled. I really struggled with that. Uh, I think the rest I, I did okay, but when it came to the memory tests, I struggled. And that's true for many Christians, in a sense, as well, that we struggle to remember that which we need to remember, to live the life that we are called to live in Christ. So we uh, remember that, or we experience the, the goodness of God. Maybe we come to church and we're uplifted by what we hear or what we sing, or we go to a great conference and we're surrounded by thousands and thousands of Christians and the, the noise of the praise rising into the heavens is just so loud that we think this is like a taste of heaven. And we're so encouraged and God seems so good. Or we pray a prayer and God answers that prayer. And we think, why have I not committed? Why have I not devoted myself to prayer? And we think to ourselves, everything is going to change from this moment forward. And then we leave the church or the conference center or the prayer room. And how quickly we forget the goodness of our God. And as we forget, we fail to be the thankful, joyful, fruitful people that we ought to be because we begin to wander away from the Lord. Sometimes we sing that hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And that's true for all of us as Christians. How quickly we forget the goodness and the presence and the power of our God and when we forget how quickly we begin to wander away. And that's been true all through the history of the church and the history of God's people. So if you, you read Scripture, you see that same pattern repeated, probably most clearly in Judges. People recognize the goodness of their God. They're excited. They're enthused. They commit to Him. But then they begin to forget. They begin to wander. They begin to take to themselves false gods. And it's only when life starts to go all wrong that they turn back to him. God is gracious and merciful. He meets with them. They're excited and they go through it again and again. And then the last of the judges really is Samuel. So we come into Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 7 
And this has been the case again. God's people have forgotten how wonderful, how good God is. Remember Jim Purvis speaking? He said, we believe that every person can enter into a living and real relationship with Jesus. And when that relationship is not there or it's out of sync or out of kilter, everything else begins to fall out of kilter. Well, that was true for the people of God as we join them in 1 Samuel chapter 7. They had wandered off into idolatry. So that's the bad news. But the good news is that they recognized something was wrong. And they recognized that this was a fruit of their relationship with God. They recognized that their relationship with the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true and living God, had been damaged. It was, it was a distant relationship. And so they knew that something needed to be put right. The worst thing that could have happened to them would have been for them to drift away and to not recognize that anything was wrong. That's the thing that ought to frighten us the most, that we might drift away from the Lord and not notice it, not feel it, not sense it. But they recognized that all was not well. Verse 2, all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. And so in steps Samuel, uh, not Sa yeah, Samuel, to lead them back and uh, the, the, the way of leading them back to God, we might say, is, is repentance. And their repentance, their turning back to God, is marked by two things. There's a laying down and there's a lifting up. So they have to lay down all of the false gods that they have taken to themselves. Verse 3, Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bowels and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Well, how primitive they seem with their man-made gods which could topple at any moment. We, we look down our noses at them. But there are false gods in our culture, in our society as well, aren't there? There's the, the God of pleasure or the God of popularity in this social media age. Lynn's first poem spoke of the razzmatazz, what was it? The jazzy new phones that you can get. <laughs> That's the, the age that, that we, you know, you have to get likes, you have to get follows, you have to live for this constant stream of affirmation and popularity. Maybe our comforts or our career. These are some of the gods, a few of the gods that fill the pantheons of our day and our age. So there is a laying down of idols that we might draw near to the true and living God again, but not just a laying down, there is a lifting up. There is a lifting up of prayer to God. Then Samuel, verse 5, said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. But later in verse 6, on that day they fasted, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel. 
Now, the Philistines see this big gathering of Israelites, and they assume that it's not a prayer meeting. I don't know why they would assume that a prayer meeting would not be full of people, but they assume that it's not a prayer meeting. They assume that the Israelites have gathered together to raise up an army to defeat the Philistines. So they launch a preemptive attack against Israel. But the Lord, by this point, has come close to his people again. And so he thunders with loud thunder. There's another thing we forget, how frightening thunder can be when it's really loud and it feels really near. The Lord thundered with loud thunder. And in their fear, the Philistines are defeated and Israel wins. We could call that restoration, but I've got another R. I think four R's would be just showing off, so we're going to go for remembrance instead, because Samuel then takes a stone and sets it up, verse 12, between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. So he takes something heavy and solid, hard to move, hard to miss, and he names this stone Ebenezer, the stone of help, so that when men and women of Israel pass it and they're uh, journeying, they see this stone and they remember that the Lord has been faithful to help them in the past. And that ought to protect them from wandering away from the Lord in the present. I hope that this weekend, it's been a good weekend, thank you to everyone who has made it possible. I hope that this weekend in some ways acts as a stone of remembrance for us. It has given us the opportunity to look back at special events, special occasions, to remember special people, to give thanks to the Lord for all of these good things that He has brought to us through the work and witness and the life of this family of faith. And I hope that that serves to remind us of the foolishness of walking away from the Lord and the wisdom of staying close to Him, staying true to Him, and knowing His presence and power in each of our lives. Our looking back ought to change the way that we look forward. The most interesting item of memorabilia that I found next door, I hope you had a good look at the, the stuff through there. It was all about a stone, and if we could move to the next slide, thank you very much. It doesn't look very impressive at first glance, that document there uh, to the right of the church. And you probably won't be able to read what it says, so I'll read it for you. It says, Airdrie Baptist Church, that's the big text at the top, the members of the building committee respectfully invite you to be present on Thursday, the 2nd of January, 1890, at two o'clock, when the memorial stone of the new church will be laid by James Nimmo, Esquire, Co-Master, Glasgow. I was amazed when I read that. I thought, that is incredible. 2nd of January, 1890. Think about how the world has changed since then. Think about what the world has come through since then. This is before either of the world wars. I like this old building. The deacons know that it needs a wee bit of TLC from time to time. But uh, I, I, I like it. 
Uh, but I'm always reminding myself that the church is not the building. It's not so much that stone or the bricks and the walls that make up the church. We are the living stones that make up the church. And my prayer, our prayer, I hope, is that Airdrie Baptist Church would continue to build on that solid foundation that is Christ Jesus, who is the cornerstone in the years that lie ahead. So I want to finish just by reading that passage from 1 Peter that speaks of Christ as the cornerstone and us as the living stones that make up the church. Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Amen. Let's come before the Lord together as we pray. Father, help us as we look back and see how you have helped us in the past to look forward with fresh faith and a sense of anticipation and expectation. Help us to be those who put their trust in the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus our Lord, and so those who are in him never put to shame. We thank you for your faithfulness to your people and to your promises. We ask that you would hear our prayer and receive our praise as we offer them to you in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.